Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. I am here with Tom Houston. Singer, songwriter, is that how you would best describe yourself? Well, singer, songwriter, and then uh, a bit of mischief a as bit. well. <laughs> That's perfect. That I would okay? say so. How would you describe your music, Tom? What is your sound? Badly, I'd badly describe it. <laughs> because I, I, I people that. ask that and I'm going, yes, how would you describe it? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of what occurs to me. Um, in in the sense of when I very I was thinking when I very first started off, mm-hmm. I couldn't sing anyone else's songs, so I thought, well, if I write them myself, no one would say you got that wrong. That's very true. So it's interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I mostly originated with the acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. although I did some stuff. When I did a lot of community arts work, I did some stuff on keyboards and building textures up. But it's mainly based from acoustic guitar mm-hmm. up, and it tend the the lyrics are quite uh, important. So there's something there about lyrics, uh, lyrically driven. There's a wee bit of my obscure observations on the world, uh-huh. and the mischief, the mischievous sense of uh, reality. And when did you discover that you had this kind of need yeah. to write and need to express yourself through music? I think I think that at the very start it was a desire to write to to do the soundtracks for for um, oh no it was yeah it was desire to do soundtracks for films so I started making films so I could do the soundtracks to them okay and I think it was more a way of creative play with mm-hmm. pals so some of the pals at schools it would be uh, we would just put on the recorder and just jam and make up any sorts of nonsense. <laughs> so I think it started off mm-hmm. as just a way of improvised play uh, with 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 friends. Um, and, and I suppose it's developed uh, uh, from in terms of either playing in bands and then it was taking the bands out into um, a, a bit more of a, a kind of dramatic, theatrical kind of input and then that led to running workshops. So the, so the music sort of it kept on germinating mm. ideas out there. And I, I think I always played with the idea of breaking down the barrier between the spotlight, you know, it's on me, and who are these people out there, the audience. Uh, and so I was always fascinated by, and you will <laughs> you'll know this yourself, by the interaction yes. between the, the kind of the artist and uh, the audience, mm. and and uh, and even now, even when I try and do my conventional songs, and you know, it's it's, I might do two sets of forty minutes. I have I have to break that up with a bit of, you know, repartee or a bit nice. of ways for the audience to get involved. Yeah, um, it's important that kind of communication between you yeah, and yeah. your audience. Yeah, yeah. And, and that can be really, it tends to be that pretty flippant and um, it's got to be accessible uh, mm-hmm. from that point of view. So the songs, well, 
stay as songs, but they get brought to life mm -hmm. either when when you record them with more people, more instruments, mm -hmm. or um, I, I present them to, to other people. So where where were you growing up, and what kind of music were you Gla listening to? Glasgow was, was okay. Ouija land, um, <laughs> and uh, well, I think uh, it's quite interesting in, in the sense of I had an older sister. Mm -hmm who was two and a half years older than me. We were growing up in the 60s. And for example, there were kind of two or three things going on at the same time. But she tells a story, we're at a holiday in Italy and I'm aged 11. And what I remember was, it, and, and we've got a pot of tea here. We do, it's a very nice pot actually. Yes, very fancy, I'm feeling very treated. I know, but as my Aunt Marjorie was there and the, the song that was played on the jukebox was Tea for Two. And that's the one I remember, whereas my sister reports that I kept on playing Love Me Tender by Elvis Presley ah. all the time, and I get no recollection. So she's either implanting a false memory on me. <laughs> um, so there's the, the, my, my mother was a, a violin player, mm -hmm. and my grandfather was an excellent fiddler. But it kind of... His music kind of went through me. It was like, that's just what Grandad does. Okay. So the first music that sort of I made my own as a, a kind of conscious was, it was the Beatles, it was Sgt. Peppers. Um, and then it, it would be John Lennon. Mm. And then various people grabbed me after that. So some say I never recovered from my Captain Beefheart mm -hmm. phase. And then when I came to Stirling, the only live music was folk music. So there's been a lot of influences over the years, mm -hmm. but I think I've always gravitated towards maybe kind of slightly wacky individuals with a with a voice in the sense of vocally a, a kind of unique voice, mm -hmm. but also something to say. Yeah, the storytelling. The, the storytelling or, you know, a bit of... You know, I you know, social commentary or, mm. or something, but you know, I've kind of got something to say, and I, and I think, in my own small way, there's a bit of me. Yeah, it's about finding your own, both voice, but also what what is it you're trying to mm. say. Can you recall the first ever song or songs that you wrote? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was a, it was a, it was a number. Um, Called. Oh, <laughs> he's up. It was on an electric guitar. Oh. Um, and uh, it was a winter number. Oh, we have a guitar. Yeah. It's the first Tom it, for the podcast. It, so it was like. Christmas tree. Christmas tree. So there I couldn't go. play any chords, just for the guitar, there you but I go. thought, there you go. But was so it's were you, was it Christmas time? Were you inspired? It probably was. <laughs> and then or I was listening to the height of summer. And then I, I, and then I thought... <laughs> summer time. <laughs> well, if it had been summer time, that would have been... So, nice. well, that, well, really nice, but it had a certain kind of... It was pre-punk, wasn't it? It, it was. I was, in the, I was in the 60s and stuff mm. like that. So... Um, maybe I haven't progressed <laughs> since then, but there was that sense you can just create. And do it. So I think probably you know, as I get a bit older, 
a a lot of people go, I can't do that. I, I can't write a song. Mm. I can't do that. Whereas, I, you know, I didn't have any technical ability, but there was the belief you can just create. Mm. And, and I suppose there's always been that sense you can make something out of nothing or what you see around you. Absolutely. And I suppose that's at the kernel of, of the, the kind of creation and the songwriting is that you can just do, and you know, you can just create something. Yeah. And in terms of that creative process, what does that look like for you? Like, today I am going to write a song, or is it just a constant picking up of bits as you go along and little melodies in your head or... Um, lyrics. It's a, yeah, it's a good point now. The, the kind of the creative process, and and there's, I mean, I haven't been interviewed enough about it. Mm-hmm. So, but there's a great phrase by uh, when it was an interview with Leonard Cohen, and he, he goes, "Is like, we're moving into dangerous territory here," you know. Whereas, you know, it was that bit of keeping the the, the kind of the art uh-huh. away from talking. <laughs> but I th- I think. It, it, the starting point can be a lot of things. Um, mm. It can be a kind of feeling. It can be purely just jamming on the guitar, so just improvising on chords. Um, so there's maybe, with me, there might be four or five different starting points. And usually I connect two or three of the starting points together. Um, so the last song I wrote that Mm -hmm. was the first song I wrote so the last song I wrote (laughs) um, I had been I'd been kind of seduced by a chord sequence that was playing on the guitar Mm -hmm. Um, I'm loving this live sessions with Tom uh, Houston so there's a bit there of so that first thing is just like being being alone in your bedroom although this isn't a bedroom this is a lovely space it is a lovely space I have to say uh, so I was going slightly out of tune So I would, be pl- I would be playing that and saying, oh, that's very pleasant. That's very pleasant. And then I didn't have a song to go with it mm-hmm. or, a, or a, a kind of an idea, but I thought, that's fine. And then, not rushing it. And then a mate from New Zealand, as one does in Facebook, mm-hmm. sent a link and it was a video. And it was a video about a river in New Zealand that had been given legal status as a kind of an entity in its own right and there was a Maori statement that I can't say mm-hmm. Ken says it he's, he's, he's the guy in New Zealand but the, the translation of that is I am the river and the river is me and I thought and you know that, that spoke to me and so I took that mm-hmm. notion and said could I fit it over those chords Lovely. so those connected together and the, the last song yeah, is so it's just marrying up of lots of nuggets of yeah so so sometimes I, usually I'm, I try and connect three or four things together mm-hmm. uh, and, and then if I feel that I'm too settled in one area I might disrupt it <laughs> I, and, and so um, I, and, I th- and I think there's a bit there of always putting trying to put a little bit of of disruption whether it's the timing, whether it's the mood of the song, whether it's just like a little phrase. 
Do you like a bit of disruption, Tom? I like a little... <laughs> you, that'll come as a big shock to you, will it? <laughs> Absolutely, I'm appalled. <laughs> I know, you never thought I was capable of it. <laughs> and in terms of the stories that you've told in your music, is there one or two that you can kind of pick out and say they were quite personal or there was a turning point in my music because of this particular story that I decided to tell. I have spilt some of the tea on the table oh, no. and I'm going to get a cloth. Do that, please do that. So yeah, it's all action um, interview. It is indeed. So. But I now have tea, which is lovely, uh, and a really beautiful cup. Yeah, no, I know, exactly. These are, oh my goodness, and it weighs an absolute ton. It's a ton. It's, so there seem to be two or three different strands in that question there. So ask me, ask me it again. So in terms of the storytelling and the song writing. Yes. Can you pick out one or two songs maybe that you have written over the years that for you the the story that you told that you tell through it was like a particular turning point oh. in your maybe your life or even just the music that you were producing. Wow. I can't really do that. Okay. What came to mind is there was a spell um, when the songwriting stopped and a, it was when I had two darling daughters. <laughs> so I say, oh, my darling daughters are the, are, are the children, as, as it were. Mm-hmm. But but there's a sense where every song is a little bit of a little, you know, it's a little creature, you know, it has its moment in its own right. Mm-hmm. But, but you're right, some songs are more significant than others. Um, but I think... And and uh, God, I don't know even if this is true, but I'll say it. <laughs> I think there's a bit there where it, the song is not as important as the kind of creative process. So it's like being open to the next one. Mm. So in a way, that's what seems important is is being open to the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, dear listeners. Um, there's, there's now sort of five recorded albums of songs and there's a lot of, you know, in the in the community art days there was songs that were used there. So I think they all kind of have a life in their own and because I have not had a, a breakthrough song, it's, it's mainly an accumulation of small connections mm-hmm. um, so the uh, uh, there isn't one song you would yeah. you'd say this one earned yeah. me so much money I could do <laughs> blah blah and I'm now living the life of luxury or this song was a was a hit mm. and blah blah so um, and then your question is, is for me I suppose at, at every time some are throwaway songs uh, and then some go a bit deeper and a mm. bit more meaningful but however, it's really hard for me to differentiate to them. Yeah. So, for example, "I Am the River" is a current song, and mm-hmm. um, it seems to make quite a big impact. Uh, you know, and, and we're kind of re- recording it, so and and it has quite a powerful kind of cosmic connection between who are we and we are the we are the world, we are the environment. There isn't a separation between us. And the state of the world and all the rest. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a lot going on. Yeah. 
And then I've got this other song, which is a purely throwaway, called Rhubarb Pie, where it, it, it carries on and it stops and the audience go, Rhubarb Pie. And yet in that moment, there's a connection with the of course, people. Yeah. It's accessible. So it, that's not so frivolous when you it, can make it, that it's, connection it's, with your audience. It's not. And, and some of the, the, the ones that might be more deep, deeper for me, I yeah. can sit there and play them and you can see you know, I'm not making a connection with mm. the audience. And so the, the connection in that moment in the live thing is, is actually, oh, that's seeing their, their wee faces light up <laughs> as they get the timing of it. Uh, so yeah, a bit of it, audience participation is yeah, always yeah. good. So it, it, it's, it's hard, you know, that, that's significant as well because if you don't connect... Yeah, you know, well, that's um, what you're essentially trying to do um, through your music, I guess. Yeah, so um, I think... For me, my songs have been more an accumulation of small mm. connections, and practically every song has made that connection. And in terms um, of recording the songs that you've written, how do you decide what goes on that album and what's um, what's just for gigging or what's just for you? Or well, um, luckily enough, the accumulation of small connections means that practically every recording has involved other people. Mm-hmm. So um, the the last two the solo ones I've done uh, has, has been produced by Neil McCall, who is quite a song dude based in London, mm. and it's been a joint between Neil and myself, so whittling twenty down to ten. And Neil he'll he will say oh, he prefers the darker sides and uh, the less the jaunty Tom. <laughs> So, but he his 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 dad was Ewan McCall and his mum was Peggy Seeger, mm-hmm. so he's been steeped in song all his life, and my feeling was well if songs grab Neil, then that's good enough for me. But cool. luckily, the ten or so that Neil fancied were ones that I fancied Perfect. too. Yeah, and then the other outlet has been through a co-working with other people mm. I'm currently working a band Dave's New Bike three other and, and for the first album four other guys and it tended to be the ones that we all wanted to, to play mm-hmm. so there was a bit of a consensus around it and occasionally it would be someone's baby um, you know there was one song on the first Dave's New Bike album called Miracle of Love which wasn't on the consensus list, mm-hmm. but it was Simon's baby, and we did it, and it actually turned out to get a lot of airplay when, when we did it. So yeah. um, it tends to be a, a collective yeah. dis- decision, and I'm really pleased about that because it would be quite, it might be quite hard for me to, in to isolation, down, yeah. well, twenty down to absolutely, to 10. and then the same, you know, forming a, a set list for a gig, does that alter in terms of where you're playing or do you just on the day decide right these are the numbers that I'm gonna do tonight I'm in this mood that, that's a good point because um, a, the, the, if, I, if I talk about me doing it solo wise mm-hmm. then that's that's quite hard because I think it'd be easier in the moment but I'm not good enough to of the 30 songs be able to play all thirty, or not thirty, it's probably more like eighty, mm-hmm. to play them, to play them all without having a bit of practice. Of course, I. Eh? So, 
I need to select from the ones <laughs> what that have I've, I've been practicing. What I've been practicing. <laughs> so, for example, I've got um, some gigs coming up in Canada. Yes, amazing. And they just love the Scottish voice. I bet. <laughs> so, and they'll probably want a bit of traditional stuff. Yeah. So the the pattern that I might use here mm-hmm. uh, would would be different in different places. But mm-hmm. I need to consciously give people a little bit of what they're after yeah so my sets for for canada i might you know that do try and learn another two or three Mm -hmm. trad ones and then i did a a gig in fife in Celadike uh the weekend there i didn't know the audience and i had this vast list of of stuff i was doing i was doing so i had to kind of whittle it down Mm -hmm. and um interestingly enough I'm, I'm trying to put on a bit of spoken word as well. Okay. It's got a different energy to it. Mm-hmm. And I did one of those called Don't Drop It, Dexter. <laughs> nice. Uh, and uh, it went down really well. Great. You know, people were, were going that. What, what's that about? Now I'm intrigued. Ah, don't Drop It, Dexter. Yeah. Um, Who's Dexter? Exactly. Who is Dexter and what <laughs> is the it that he's going to drop? Oh my goodness. And then who was it that was saying, don't drop it, Dexter? So many questions. Yes. But it's, so the starting point is that I heard this, I, I, was, in a, I was in the checkout at home base uh-huh. and I heard this, don't drop it, Dexter. It was better than that. But there was something about the way it said, I, I was like 100% don't drop it, Dexter. Uh-huh. It was like, I'm there. I'm, I'm with you, mm-hmm. Mrs. Don't drop it, Dexter. So it's a little bit of, you know, so that... So I mean, that like, I, you don't hear that name every day, Dexter. Well, if it had been, if it had been, if it had been Tom, if it had been Lisa, mm. it wouldn't have been the same. Hi, don't drop Dex- it, Tom. <laughs> don't drop it, Dexter. Dexter. So that, is, so I went away and I wrote, I wrote my spoken word Did piece. you find out what it was? Yeah, but... But, um, but it wasn't as interesting as... What? Wouldn't it be more interesting <laughs> to come to my gig? I mean, I don't want to... It's a spoiler. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. It's a spoiler. <laughs> I'm trying to give the people what they want. <laughs> what do they want? <laughs> they want to know what it is. What it is. <laughs> if you were in home base, I mean, it could be an array of... It could be. Paraphernalia, couldn't it? It could be. I, th- I, think, I think at this point, I'm going into... But the... it could have been the beat. I mean, don't drop the beat, Dexter, in yeah, home base. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. don't... Don't yeah. drop it here. It, it could even be a... Don't like drop a, the bomb, like a, the big yeah, yeah, you, you tell-all story. Tell, you know, it could be like the human race. It, like, don't drop it. No. It, like planet Earth, don't mm. drop it, humans. You're holding it very carefully in your hand. Dexter's got a lot of... <laughs> There's a lot <laughs> of potential. weight on Dexter's shoulders, so I feel. don't <laughs> drop it. So, um, I'm not telling you. Okay, fine. Is that all right? Can you tell me about another song that you've written then? And te- <laughs> tell me a story, Tom. I tell you a story? Of one of the songs you've written and what, right. it's, a- what, what it's about. Okay, let's start with... Well, one one that we're allowed to know about without... One, one rare, there's no secrecy <laughs> And we'll come to the gig to hear Don't I, Drop It, Dexter. And then to, to Don't Drop It, Dexter. <laughs> Should it be one off my last solo album, Plastic Trumpet? Yes, that sounds awesome. Right, hang on a minute. You mm-hmm. stay there, don't go away. I won't. I'm not going anywhere. I'll drink my tea. Yeah, drink your tea. Pour <laughs> another one. Right. Um, I'm back. He's back. So, on Plastic Trumpet, mm-hmm. we have got Reason and Rhyme, November Blues, Plastic Trumpet, Our Little Cage, What's in Store, Hank and the Admiral's Daughter, Rambling Rover, 
grey dress, descent, and within. Mm. So can I throw it back to you or to to the, on behalf of the listeners? Oh my goodness. And then you'll um, get the inside story of that song. Hank and the Admiral's Daughter. Hank and the Admiral's Daughter. That right. was an intriguing, well, well, they were all very intriguing they titles, but... Uh, so, we stay, we're in um, Tillicoutry here. Mm, beautiful um, part of the world. Have you heard of a place called Rumbling Bridge? I have not. So, about ten miles from here, there's a gorge which the River Devon mm-hmm. flows through. And there's quite a bit of mystery about this, but there's a place called Rumbling Bridge where there's a couple of bridges above the gorge and the stones kind of rumble. So it's a nice place to go for a walk. Yeah. Woods, um, gorge, rumble. What more? What more do you want? <laughs> what more do you want? Well, i tell you what more you want. Uh-huh. Because like, that's like 15 minutes and you think, let's go for a wee bit longer. So you go for a wee bit longer uh-huh. and you walk along the River <clears throat> Devon and you come to a place called the Crook of Devon. And this is what we did. Because uh-huh. I, I was with Catherine. And... Then we saw this interesting little lane by the side of the River Devon, mm-hmm. and it looked like that there was there was people building a house, and it just looked that looks like interesting because there was a variety of houses and shacks. Mm-hmm. So we walked down in there, and as as soon as we walked down in there, this guy came out who was he had ambiguous presence to it because on okay. one hand it was like are we trying to clear you out mm. are we trying to get rid trespassing. of you trespassing <laughs> but he was like come and just start speaking to us so the conversation and it was maybe about four years ago or mm-hmm. three years ago but anything I said he kind of agreed with and enlarged so for example I think I said I'd, I'd working for the NHS so the guy living in that house there he works for the NHS blah 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 and then I said um, and I play music oh the guy in that hut and so he enlarged a little bit the guy in the hut the guy in the hut uh, was a bit depressed he was called Hank and he used to be quite quite good but he'd never been the same he'd had an affair Mm -hmm. with the Admiral's daughter he doesn't play his guitar much now so, um, I thought, Hank and the Admiral's daughter. Hey. And I had to, I had to write a song you, about you Hank. You really did have to write that song. Admiral's I mean, daughter. how are you bumping into all these people with interesting names? Dexter, Hank, I mean. Yeah. So, and the other Songs thing, just follow you. And the other, <laughs> the other way this guy spoke, and again, I couldn't understand, this, this is the guy, whether he was speaking absolute bull or not. <laughs> But you were like... (laughs) Was he making all that that up? up? You know, because he kept on talking about having property in Siam. Oh. And like, Siam doesn't exist. Mm. So anyway, (laughs) I thought, right, it's got to be a bit of a country song. It's got to have Hank in it. It's got to have the Admiral's daughter. And it had to have Siam. So did he elaborate on... The situation, or did you then just take that? We just thought, and just thought, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna dream this up, maybe because yeah, yeah. he's dreamt it up, yeah, perhaps. Yeah. I, I <laughs> so can, I can artistic license. So I had, I had the ramshackle hut. I had the River Devon. I had Hank. Mm. I had a bit of depression. He, he was alive now, and I had Siam. What so more do you need? I pulled that together in a little, and and the, 
as Ian Anderson on, on BBC Radio Scotland called it, because he played it, it's nice. a little bit of exotica. Ooh. A little bit. So, um, a Hank and the Admiral's daughter, and I don't know if you've ever looked at um, Thailand guitar music. I have not. They've got this really weird sound with the their, their electric guitars. Okay. And Neil, who was he was producing it, but mm-hmm. also playing on the album. Okay. Uh, who is an excellent sessional guy? He's played with he's played in Pompey with the, the Pink Floyd dude, David Gilmour. Uh, yes. And he's, you know, wow. If you need if you're a U, if you need a UK guitarist, he kind of goes to me. So I was saying to Neil, I said I want some <laughs> Thailand uh, slide on this. So it's a kind of, this, this is the bit of the disruption. So Neil likes that sort of thing. Yeah, uh-huh, he appreciates he tries, the disruption. He tries, tries to do it <laughs> tastefully. But I said, that's kind of where I want to go. So I sent him the, <laughs> and he does that very well. It's got a crossover between Thailand and, and um, slide guitar. Um, are you wanting more about the song? Is that enough? Well, I mean... Only if you want to give it to him. I mean, I know well, you like, you, to, where, keep, right, you like so, to keep the mystery. So first of all, first of all, <laughs> Hank had to meet um, the Admiral's daughter. daughter. I don't know why, uh-huh. but um, I had them meeting in Vienna. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, but at least... I had them know, in the Creek of Devon there. See, but, see, but I'm... I'm but you went... You know, some, and I've taken... You went and, to the Exotica. In 72, 1972. You know, I, I think I went... To Vienna, uh, nice. round about then. Okay. So it was like, oh, it made I'll, sense. I'll take take that. Out. But I, you know, so I had the meeting there, uh-huh. and she was looking for danger. Mm-hmm. So the admiral's daughter, I had her looking for danger, and um, he came into view. So she's looking for danger. Hank comes into view, mm-hmm. and he cuts through the grabbing which is a street which I didn't know. I had to Google that, but it's like it's it's in a place where it, it, I think there's a lot of street entertainment and things going, ah. with a voice like Neil Diamond Oh wow! brought up in Fife, Fife back to the Crook of Devon. Nice. And that's them. That's what happens next. Here. That's a story and a half, that. That's a story and a half. But... I hope it happens. The, oh. one, <laughs> the one thing that Hank, because he's now, he's kind of now reminiscing yeah. back in his hut with... The, the kind of darkness and the wee chinks of light coming mm. in as the sun's setting over the, and he's he's kind of he's thinking back, and he thinks back to the sins of Siam, because they must Absolutely. have gone they must have gone to Siam at some point yeah. in the romantic whirlwind, and part of the Empire Admiral's daughter, um, so she must have had connections in Siam. You are a storyteller, Tom. I don't know for that sure. I'm not. I, I but, absolutely. Um, so that's um, that's Hank and the Admiral's daughter, but he he's still not recovered really. Um, Feel for him. I know. Poor Hank. Yeah, with his wee hut. That's slightly damp, I think, as well. You know? Oh dear! Well, it'll be the and, day. It's and chucking every, it. Every knock on the door, he goes. Oh. He knows it's not her, but but it bit, just could be. Just yeah, that's it. So it's that feeling of I know it's not her, but. Poor guy. Really? And, <laughs> and in terms of the music and where it has taken you, what um, opportunities in terms of travel and experience has afforded you that has then went back into the music 
It's the accumulation of small connections mm. again. It's no big... The people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're a people person. Yeah, so um, last summer mm-hmm. um, we were going down to Cornwall and the music allows me to extend that, like going down on holiday. Yes. But the... Uh, now let us sing in praise of indica- independent broadcasters. Mm-hmm. There's yourself. Mm. Then there's lots of small radio stations. Yes. So there's a place called in in Devon called the Riviera FM, and there's a, a couple who were playing um, just a variety of independent music, not the big ones, and they were really liking the stuff from Dave's new bike. And uh, I was was in touch with them. Said I'm going to be down in the area, and I said, "Oh, come and visit and play live on the show." And then not only did we do that, they set up two gigs Perfect. in the area as well. And then I blagged my way on to BBC Devon as well. So I had my... Of course you did. <laughs> so that holiday in the nice. area, local community radio station, two gigs and a wee trip out to, to Radio De- Devon. And and so those connections, Ted and his partner Ali became pals. They came up to see us in, in Edinburgh. We stayed in touch. Lovely. And then the other wee accumulation of small connections. When I was in the BBC driving to Devon, going, what's going to be happening here? I thought I better listen to the radio stoke because mm-hmm. I was thinking I'm well out of place on this because it was like lunchtime stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was all popular. I thought I better listen to to know what I'm going to hear when I'm in. So there was a woman talking about her book. I kind of knew when I went into the studio um, there was a woman sitting there, and I kind of knew that was her. Mm-hmm. So because you'd done your research on the I'd way done there, <laughs> research, and she said hello, who are you and I'm Tom. And then to cut a long story short, I offered her a copy of the mm. CD. And she said, I don't have a copy of my book. I said, we'll send it through. Um, and she stayed in touch. She, she, her son worked for um, the local news, the, the I newspaper. Mm-hmm. And he did a review of the album or, or, the, or the single plastic in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. So it was a little bit nice. of... This, making those connections. Making those connections. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as you probably know yourself. Definitely. Because yeah. mm. I'm a lousy tourist. In what sense? In a sense, if I go somewhere and I'm, and and it's like the, it's it's like how do you amuse yourself? Mm. So the tourist things like you know go to Edinburgh Castle or mm-hmm. or you know go out for a meal or or um, what else do you do as a tourist? Lie mm. on the beach. Apparently, although I'm not down for that um, either, I'm not I'm go, not a beachy you know, person. Go and buy an ice cream. Mm. Yeah, really expensive, and then go and buy some <laughs> tourist tart. Buy a Loch Ness monster. Yeah. Or that's not, not your jam, right? So it's like if I go somewhere, uh-huh. how do I make the connection? Get the music in there somehow. How do I make it <laughs> experience? Mm. So for me, I find I can enrich my life through the accumulation of small connections, rather than being a right. tourist. <laughs> and it means, I guess, then you've always got an opportunity to, to go back somewhere if you've made a yeah, human connection. You know, the places that you visited, then you can be like, well, I can always come back here because I know somebody now. Yes. Which is lovely. I, and I am such a sad old that I can do it easier through the music. It makes it more 
into it, you know. Just yeah, that's, that's, your, that's your comfort zone then, though, isn't yeah, it? The music, yeah. that's where you feel yeah, best it, at home, probably. I suppose it's less, it's less the music, it's more like something's happening. So, for example, when we were in Cellar Dyke, um, um, there's a guy who, through the music, became interested, but he now helps out with some video stuff. Bill Bruce, different video. So he he is out there with his drone, uh-huh. and um, so I'm sitting there and Bill's with his drone and it's flying above the harbour. And this guy sits down next to me, I'm chatting to him and he's going like, "I hate that drone." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I let him speak." And then he and then we spoke. He's point to Bill and I said, "I'm actually with Bill." <laughs> I'm Bill's oh, pal. I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. So he comes over. And, Derek meets Bill, but me and this guy sells gluten-free beer, gluten-free beer. Mm. So, yeah, so that was through the drone. That wasn't through the music, but the drone was. Uh-huh. So, accumulation of small connections. I like again. it. <laughs> so. And in terms of the music videos that you have then made, what was that process like for you? Was that something that you had wanted to do, or is that just part of part of the course, or? Well, it, the, there's an expectation now, isn't there? Mm, I mean, it's like, aye. there's, there's I, you know, I, I, I heard you one of your previous podcasts in terms of um, setting up a business. It's like the music isn't making any money these days, so it's like, how do you how do you give music musicians mm. what they want that will we'll get a video for them? Yeah. And I, I suppose for me, because I'd always had an interest in film, yeah. it's moved technically... Because I suppose when I was starting off in film, it was 8mm film. Mm-hmm. It was a 25 quid clockwork Russian camera. And you would get the film strips out and glue them together and scrape them. And that was editing. And uh, that kind of suited me. Now when it goes all digital and effects and 4K and, and sit in front of a computer and waiting for it to render... I lose the will to live. I kind of... <laughs> so, I can't... I, I, and at the standard that it's expected to make an impression, mm. um, there's a bit of me would be like to be doing the filming, but I don't have all that, you know, £10 million of gear or whatever mm. it is you need to spend. You know, obviously, it's, it's now an iPhone or whatever. But <laughs> what, what I'm trying to say is... I find the technological aspects of what is required, um, it doesn't quite fit with my brain, so it destroys my creativity. Mm. So I'm so lucky to have someone like Bill around, so I subvert him. But in terms of the concept for the music video, is that something that you're more at home with, you know, coming up with the, the yeah, idea? I, again, I my creativity comes in action. Yeah. I can't sit down... Plan it out. Plan it down. Okay. I need to almost, like, go to the location. The magic's in the moment. The magic's in the moment and making the connections. Mm. And I think you need both. So I, I probably need to work in a team. And and it's quite good with Bill because um, he, he'll work out and he'll storyboard it and he'll storyboard it brilliantly. Mm. And then... Um, in the storyboard, I don't think the characters come to life, certainly to me. Yeah. So there's an there's there's a there's an incident in the plastic trumpet video mm-hmm. when the characters are all developed and I, I'm looking at Bill's filming it. There was a guy in the office um, as a plast he was plastering the wall fixing mm-hmm. the wall, and I kind of goes I want him in it 
I remember being told this story by Lawrence, who's <laughs> in the video, yes. and I was like, this is like, this is classic Tom, <laughs> this story. Yeah, so, so, uh, Ricky was in plastering away, and, and the, the guy that owns the building we were in, I know very well, we, he's got the same impish sense of reality as me, so I knew he wouldn't be fun, and, and I go, I think, I think Ricky would be quite good, so I said, Ricky, when you finish your plastering, or even when you don't finish it, do you want to be in, and he goes, aye. And uh, so he he, he, mm. he goes in, and Bill's like, no, I've got enough on it. But all credit to him, he, he filmed Ricky. Mm. And then I said, I want a scene when Ricky drives up with his van and the guitar comes out of the van window. Uh, and so Ricky, right, he drives away. The van comes out and Bill's got his camera <laughs> This is the best there. day at work for Ricky, I yeah. bet. <laughs> well, I don't, he didn't come to the opening. Oh. So that, that, that was... Because um, part... Part of it was like to extend into a new audience zone, you know, like uh-huh. pla- plastic zone. So, um, anyway, that that nice. was and that, that was on a big on a bigger level. Let's involve Ricky, but there was another one where where Lawrence uh-huh. was sitting there with his minder, and I just thought his minder has got to hit him on the head, you know, okay. like give him a wee slap around uh-huh. the, the, the napper. Because, uh, like, Mr. Big was, he was the impresario, he was, like, in charge of everything and all mm. the rest of it. And I thought, he needs to meet his wee comeuppance <laughs> here. And again, that wasn't scripted, but in just that, as I looked, I thought, he needs, he needs, to, to, get, he needs to get a rap around the napper. <laughs> so, I, I, you know... I, Did you tell Lawrence in advance that he was going to... No. <laughs> so, I think I think there's a bit there I can add that. To mm. it, but the the structure need, you know needed to be there. Yeah. Um, and and really, I mean, it was really good that, that folk like Lawrence and he brought other people into the the team. So we created our production team. Poor Bill gets a bit. The video guy he gets a bit demented by um, another Houston project because it never <laughs> goes according to plan. Like, I'm sure he loves <laughs> the excitement of all. I'm sure he really does. I think it. I think there's a bit of it that beats wedding videos. <laughs> Although nobody's nobody's exciting weddings going on. It's a Tom Houston music video. Uh-huh, yes. <laughs> so you've touched on what's next in terms of you're going to Canada. So yes. again, is that another yes, it's gig it's... slash holiday? What was it first? Was it a holiday or was it the gigs? Well, it was Catherine, my partner, said, uh-huh. um, I want a two-month adventure. And where, 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 where are we both? kind of compromised I agreed on Canada mm. and I said um, I think I'd like if we went to Canada I think I'd like to do some gigs I could go out separately in advance mm-hmm. and she was like no no let's go out together so the first two weeks are based around gigginess nice. and the second three weeks are based around where, where are you going to be? So, so the gigs are going to be um, Ottawa, Montreal um, and then a, we've fly to the Rockies, Calgary, um, nice. and then down British Columbia and into Vancouver. Amazing. Then I come back from from, from Canada mm. and straight into, and I don't know if this is secret or not. But, oh, right. But, so it's um, an exclusive you're giving me? Yeah, but but I've got um, I've got a, a gig at a festival in Scotland. Yes. Uh, and it's majoring on the spoken word. Okay. They don't drop it, Dexter, and other ah. pieces like. Um, and do you have many spoken yeah. words pieces under your? Yeah, I, in your I was repertoire. Like, there's one, Jimmy and the Mammoth. 
Oh, I see these titles now. Walks, I'm just want to know what they're all under. Walks with Jack. So, so I have to pull together one that's that will be say I don't know twelve spoken word pieces with three or four songs within mm, it, as nice. opposed to maybe you know like ten songs with yeah, two spoken yeah. word pieces. And I'm really looking forward to that because I'm putting a bit of textured uh, keyboard and rhythm, a rhythm track nice. over it. Mm. So um, don't drop it, Dex. So it's got quite a quite a punchy rhythm track that goes with it, and it's got some movements as well. Oh, what? Yeah, some choreography I mean, could, in there. You could you could um, you could help with the choreography because right. I've got it. I've got it a bit like hands up to hands down. Uh huh. And it worked. Everyone yeah. in the Haven was doing it. But I'm thinking it's not quite, you know, it's like quite holding something and not dropping it. Mm. So it needs embellished. Okay. I'll let you come to a gig and, and do that. And suss it out. And then there's this other one where um, people have to, to pretend that they're happy. <laughs> and, then, and then there's a wee bit of swaying going on, but in a kind of Scots way. Like, uh-huh. So that no one sees you're happy. You know, like, oh. so it's like a wee disguise. Just a wee. Sort of like, don't get a laldy. Don't give it. Don't none of this. <laughs> none of this. Come on, everyone. This is like this is like people like I give rain it in. You know, like something like no. Fact. Make sure that maybe no tap your toe. Yeah, under, <laughs> under the, the table, table so that no one sees it. None of this exuberant stuff. Oh, I don't know if I can. But I think if you give people that permission, it kind of like it's well, like, it's not everybody that wants to get laldy. Uh huh. You yeah. know. Hmm. Uh-huh. So it sounds like you've got lots in the pipeline for the coming there's months. Thing, there's things chugging along, yeah, yeah. Over the years, do you think that your sound has uh, evolved, has changed with um, you and the life experiences you've had? And yeah, well, there's there's two or three things. Is is um, it kind of musically, it, it it changes a little bit with the people I'm with. So um, there was one band that was called Bamboozle. And there was two, uh, I always say two twins, and people always laugh at that. As if you can have three twins or one twin. You can have one twin. Can't you could. Well, you can have three twins if they're in different twin sets. Anyway, Catherine and Lucy Rob- Robson, who were twins, but mm-hmm. their voices kind of blended together brilliantly. Um, and so the, we were a trio, and it was very voice-dominated. Mm-hmm. And so the material was built around that. With Dave's new bike, Chris is a punk guitarist, so his guitar, uh, the the edgy kind of mm-hmm. driving guitar that can be del- delicate as well, mm-hmm. that features into the sound. And prior to that, uh, Ken, who's now in New Zealand, he played saxophone, so the the, the saxophone sound comes in into. So um, I, I've more like changed with the people I'm working with. And I, I think one thing I probably learnt slowly, and, and it took years, was the commitment to the material. If I'm thinking, I'm not going to get away with this, or it, 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 it's so much different if you commit to it. Um, so probably I would say I've got more commitment Mm. Now, than I had in my youth, and 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 I suppose is trying to deliberately get into that space of mm-hmm. commitment. It's still it's still tough, particularly if people are not listening, because I I kind of go where the attention is. 
So if everyone's got a focus, it, it's much easier for me. And with all the experience that you've had, writing, gigging, recording, if you could give one piece of advice to anybody, it doesn't need to be a young person, it could be someone who's at home with a guitar, with their instrument, keeping it to themselves, keeping their sound to themselves, but really wishing that they were out there putting their music into the world, what piece of advice would you give to them? Hmm. I, I, I would be very loath to give anyone any advice. Um, but I, I do think, for me, connection is, is important. So if, if that connection is important to, to someone else, it's looking for avenues for connection, um, either with other musicians to play with or with other people to listen to, to mm. the material. You know, so I, from, for me, I think that that bit Yeah, is it's important. the people that you've worked but, with along the way. For other people, it might be it's, it's enough for me just to, to, to do it. Do so I, I, would, I would need to ask more questions before <laughs> hazarding any... It's that connection just, thing again, Tom. You would need to make a connection with that person before you could before offer I, the advice. I, 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 You're yes. a people person. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you so much for doing this. Okay, that was okay. super. We're now moving on to the round, which has had various titles. It is now called the Thingamabob round because okay. that's the name that you give to things that you can't remember the name of. Do I get a buzzer? Um, no, but I'm sure you've got something here that could act I as know, a buzzer. I, I <laughs> In this musical house that you uh-huh. live in. <laughs> but you know what I mean? If we're going into this quick fire round. Of well, things. I mean, it doesn't need to be quick. I can just edit it and right, it'll okay. seem like you've answered. Thing with Bob Brown, let's go for it. Really quickly, yeah. Right, okay. Um, first question What would your autobiography title be? <sighs> would it be a sigh like that? Am I still alive when I write it? When you write it, <laughs> <laughs> Well. <laughs> Um, um, today, mm-hmm. my autobiographical title is um, Dark Mischief in the Clouds. Nice. And that you just just conjured that up there? Well, yes, that's lovely. That's, I, gave, I gave myself a context. It's, it's a moment. You don't have to live with it. Now it might be a different thing, but there's... Fair dues. There's what it is. Now, having been forced by my editor to come up with it. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Which band, past or present, would you be a roadie for? Oh, for God's sake, a a band that just played flutes. You know, (laughs) I mean, um, a cappella. Nice. (laughs) You're looking for an easy job. You got me, exactly. (laughs) If I'm the roadie, it's like, I've got a bit of a dodgy bag. It's like... Nice. We're just going to walk through there. Lovely. And uh, maybe I just have to give them some licorice tea for their throats. I just need to carry a packet of well, licorice tea. <laughs> that's the job. You are I the want. tea man. That's all. That's I should have me. asked you, which band would you be the tea guy for rather than the roadie? <laughs> for the roadie, I'm immediately thinking self-preservation. Oh, that's too, that's too much of hard work, that. Yeah. Malarkey. I'm sure. not, you know, none of your heavy metal stuff, you know. <laughs> Fair, fair is, dose, that, Tom. is that enough? Is That's, that of course it is, yeah. absolutely. Um, can you finish this sentence? 
When I was wee, I... Um, wanted to be a footballer. Did you now? What, like, professionally? Scotland. Ah, right, okay. Be England. Fair enough. It's talking about being wee. Uh-huh. Bef- just an adult. I love the lab. I love when you elaborate. elaborate. I love it. So, <laughs> there I am. I mean, I've been wee quite a lot, a lot of the time. <laughs> but at to school, uh-huh. school didn't play uh, football. It played rugby. Oh. One of those middle class schools mm. in Glasgow. And I ended up being the captain of the school rugby team for the first three years. Mm. And so you would go out to the centre circle to toss a coin and you could see the opposing team all laughing. And that's our captain. Because <laughs> we. No, like, <laughs> so when I was we, I didn't necessarily want to be laughed at as, as a rugby player. But anyway, yes. But you gave it a good go if you were the captain. Jeez. Well, three years of it. Aye. Yeah, go on. Very good. I'm impressed, Tom. it's no, that's not an easy game. No. I discovered that. Big guy from Paisley. <laughs> Flattened. <laughs> I, I sort of like went in with a bit of adventure, tried to tackle him and like, like poof. It's like, Knocked yeah, into next right, week. So that's what it's like meeting a gorilla or a bear. I was like, so I didn't tackle after no, that. No, no. <laughs> that's self-preservation again. <laughs> Favourite childhood meal? Ooh, greasy pancakes. Oh, by Granny, um, so pancakes cooked in butter. Oh, greasy pancakes. That sounds the business. Are you a salt or a sugar salt. person in your porridge? Well, I'm a fundamentalist. Wipe out anyone that puts sugar in their porridge. I what? Mean, it's, it's more, yeah, you included. Oh no, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, here. Although I do, I'm softening a wee bit because I sometimes might put raisin. Oh, I actually put raisins. Ah, in. you're coming at the dark side. I'm coming. I'm, I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Fair dues. Where is your? I haven't offended you at all. No, no. I took that in the chin. <laughs> it's like the fact that I put raisins in this. Well, it could I've have been another been... question about roasted cheese or toasted cheese. And then I might have got offended if you'd picked the wrong one. All right, so let's not ask that question. So let's not go there. I'm okay that you take salt in your porridge. Aye. With the occasion. Not salt and raisins, though, eh? Aye, why? What? Aye. Oh, get off your head. Is that it? (laughs) (laughs) And yoghurt as well. And it's got to be probably at its best. It's um, pinhead oatmeal. None None of your kind of... Um, paper mache stuff. Fair dues. It's yeah. Be the real the real, the real McCoy. Or jumbo oats. Nice. Jumbo oats. Jumbo oats. <laughs> and another wee tangent here. I love a tangent. <laughs> a Tom tangent. So I was at a conference and it was residential and it uh-huh. was a place in Glasgow. And and we were all on the courses, there was twenty of us and getting to know each other a bit. And like it was the most hideous porridge ever that was served. Right. So, so what are you going to do, Tom? And I, and I was like, I took it back. I said, this is the most hideous boss you've ever had. So they was like, Joe, the hit squad will be out for you now, Tom. So the next day, this guy... cards come, are marked. Cards were marked. <laughs> but, so I was speaking, I said, uh, I said, I'd, I'd get porridge, but no, like it was yesterday. Mm. And then the guy said, no, it's okay, it's a different chef. So I was like, I was given kid glove treatment around mm-hmm. the porridge, but they were all like, Tom, don't go there. Well, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah, yeah. You know? And there was Bowfin porridge. <laughs> That's a good one. Anyway, Bowfin. Next, next query. Next, <laughs> next question. I appreciate the tangents, Tom. Yeah. 
Uh, where is your happy place? Um, well, you would say, or I would say, in terms of it's, it's in the connection, um, is one. And um, I really like swimming in... And so I'm going to give you two. Fine. So one would be behind you is a, the croft. The croft. It, it, it's um, oh, cool. And and it's not. I'm enough of a romantic to say it's a or, or enough of a, a non-romantic to say it's not there continuously because when the rain's coming down mm. and the midges are out and all the rest of it, it is not a happy place. And, and a, where is your croft? That's in Wester Ross. Lovely. But when the midges are not are out, the sun's shining. The sea's glistening. Then there's a there's a, there's a magic there, mm. and I was going to put an add on to that is somewhere where the sea's warm. Nice. That would be able to swim in good clean water mm. and go into the water, and it's nice and warm. So when you go to the croft, where the what, water's Baltic. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do at the croft? Is that is that somewhere where you are inspired to write songs? Well, not a lot. Um, I mean, I mean, sometimes, but it tends to be when I come back. But there's a lot of croft renovation work needing done. Okay. So there's always work needing done on it. You I did mean, invite me up to the croft to record yeah. this, but I was a wee bit feared in case I'd get... Like five hours to get there. Well, I and then you'd be like, right, here's a paintbrush or a... Yeah, yeah. Because I've, <laughs> I've, I've got to do the guttering and the panelling when right. we're up. Uh, and then there's a couple of wee bridges to the... There's an outside toilet. Mm. So you have to go over a bridge and it's starting to rot. So I have to repair the bridge so <laughs> you don't fall down into the bridge. So you'll be bit. having a, a adventure jobbies. Yeah. <laughs> but the thing is that... I don't know if any of your listeners, like, in the middle of the night you need a toilet or something mm. like that. You never really see the stars when you go out to do a pee, whereas up there you do. Ah. And because there's no lights, mm. and it's like, it's worth the inconvenience there sometimes. There you go. Um, so, yes, we'll go for Wester Ross, uh, uh, some warm water, and I think there's, and then human connection. connection. Lovely. You've said a few belters so far, right. but what is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? I'm going to bring the tone down. Oh. And just in this moment... Am I going to have to edit this out? We're just going to go for drich. Nice. That's a good one. We're just going to go for (laughs) You're far from drich, Tom, I have to say. But we're... That's a good word, though. In this moment, we're going for drich. It's pretty pretty drich out there today. Although... Although, well, I say that now, and now I'm looking out and it's actually picking up. A bit of sunlight coming in. There you go. Mm -hmm. And on that note... I will thank you very much for doing this, Tom. It's oh, been well. an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. I wish you all the best with your yeah. Canadian tour. And um, we'll put all your details uh-huh. on the show notes for people to come and uh, find out what Dexter shouldn't drop. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. On that note. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.